days like um, Mother's Day and Father's Day, they're not in the Bible necessarily, but they could be. You know, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. And this is one of the ways that we can do this, not just as a society, but as a church and as individual Christians. But these days, like Mother's Day and Father's Day, which, by the way, probably drives the left insane having Mother's Day. What you, how can you even define mother anymore? But anyway. <laughs> um, but they highlight this truth, that the institution of the family was thought up by God, was designed by God, created by God. It's not something that we were here by evolution and... And then we just looked around and scrapped some things together and thought, I've got a good idea. Why don't we have, why don't we have mothers and fathers? Why don't we have marriage? And why don't we have a family? These are all things that God, uh, ordained that He set up from day one. And so, uh, by the way, some, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says, one man esteemeth every day alike. One man esteemeth one day above another. Like some days can be more special than others and one day esteemeth every man, uh, every day alike. So, uh, there are some people who would say, I don't like to celebrate anything. I don't want to celebrate birthdays, just another day. I don't want to celebrate this holiday and that holiday. But we ought to jump at the opportunities to, for instance, on a day like Mother's Day, we, ought, we, we should be looking for excuses to honor mothers, to honor fathers, to honor the institutions that God has set up. And for I used to be like this. You know, we have several children, and I and I would think, Birthdays, and they can be a big hassle. How come we don't just decide one day a year we'll celebrate everybody's birthday on the same day? Uh, and Melanie said, that's not a good idea. Okay. Uh, but I, I agree it's not a good idea because on those days we can, we can make someone special. Like today we're going to celebrate whoever's birthday is. We're going to celebrate that person's birthday and let them know that we're glad they are here in our lives, in the world. And it's a day that we can celebrate someone and make them special. And so these, I, I'm all for these holidays where we can where we can place honor where honor should be. Um, and so I want to look at just uh, briefly today five thoughts about, and I've just entitled our message today, "Honor Thy Mother." Really, uh, uh, I didn't come up with that by the way. That's in the Bible. Honor thy father and thy mother. <laughs> not not a lot of frills there in the title, but just five thoughts. And I'm going to look at some scriptures on these. Um, Principles that can really help us, I think, on Mother's Days, and we're, and we're not gonna we're not gonna focus on you know sometimes Mother's Day is about okay who is it? is it Father's Day is Mother okay it's Mother's Day all right you guys line up we're gonna tell everyone how to be a good mother and that's not what we're gonna do at all we're just gonna talk about how we can honor our mothers and honor uh, mothers in general so number one first thought that I wanted to share uh, and we'll look at Genesis twenty nine here in just a moment is that motherhood is a gift that God gives to women. And it, it, it's not his will that every single woman in the world is married and becomes a mother. And we're not going to, uh, you know, compare or do anything like that. But when it happens, the Bible indicates that being a mother is something that is a gift from God. So look at Genesis 29 and verse 31. There was this dynamic, obviously, between Rachel and Leah. They were sisters. They were competing with each other. Jacob marries both of them, and he did not know what he had just gotten himself into when he did that. But anyway, uh, he wanted to just marry Rachel, and then on the wedding day, there was a switch backstage, and, and it was Leah. It says, behold, in the morning, it was Leah. And I thought, why did it take till morning for him to figure that out? But anyways, uh, so Genesis twenty nine thirty one, it says this, 
And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So neither one of them had children to this point. And it says that God opened it. Rachel, not yet. It would come later. But she was barren. But why did Leah end up having children? It says the Lord opened her womb. Look at chapter 30 and verse 1. Genesis 30 and verse 1. It says, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And so Jacob recognized you know, that if I can put it this way, A plus B doesn't always equal C. As, as we're talking about in uh, a marital relationship, just because a man and a woman have a physical relationship doesn't guarantee that there's going to be children. And, and I think we're all aware of that. There have been many people, uh, maybe that you, that you know, maybe some of you, that you've desired to have children and it just didn't happen. It wasn't the Lord's will for whatever reason. And, and by the one thing that we never want to do, is do what was often happening in the Bible, is look down on someone. This happened several times in the Bible with people that that were barren, at least for a time, that they were looked down on and despised. People thought, oh, you must have done something, and God is judging you for not having children. And we're not doing that at all. But it is true that whenever it happens, it's God that does it. It doesn't always, by the way, there are righteous women, righteous people that don't have children, and there are very wicked people that have Lots of children. So it is not at all a correlation on your faithfulness or your spirituality or anything like that. But we're just recognizing that God's the one that has the ability to close the womb and he has the ability to open the womb. Look at chapter 25 and verse 21. Here's what Isaac did when his wife was not able to bear. He decided to pray about it. And, you know, I don't have anything with doctors, but he didn't go to a specialist and they didn't do a new procedure, he decided to pray about it. By the way, I believe God can work through doctors. If I break my arm, uh, I could pray about it, but I'm also going to go to the doctor. Now, you should never go to the doctor while ignoring God. Don't turn your back from God and say, I'm just, I don't, God can't do anything. I'm going to go to the doctor. That's what King Asa did. It says, when he had a foot disease, it says, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And then it says, the next verse says, and he died the next year. Because he didn't, acknowledge God in his sickness. He only So God can work through doctors. I'm not anti-doctor. We're not uh, um, Christian scientists or anything like that. But anyways, um, so look at Genesis 25 verse 20. And Isaac prayed, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. So sometimes... A matter of prayer can be, maybe God is waiting for someone to pray. There's a lot of things going on. We don't know why God waits, why God, sometimes he never opens the womb, sometimes he waits for a while. Here, it seemed in part that God was waiting for Isaac to pray. Isaac prayed and then God uh, responded and opened the womb. Look at First Samuel chapter 1, another example in the Bible of a woman named Hannah. Interesting that so many of these people that were barren for a while, they went on to have children that knew God and did great things for God. Just as the way that God's will played out here. So 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 5. 
so this man Penina was married to two women and it went sideways on him the, the wives were competing one had children the other was barren it says that Penina taunted Hannah because she didn't have any children so 1 Samuel 1 5 but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah this is Elkanah but the Lord had shut up her womb and it wasn't to be forever he, he eventually opened her womb and she had not only Samuel but several more, several more after that um, and then one more verse about this Psalm 127 in verse 3 in the book of Psalms Psalm 127 I love the word that's used in this in this verse Psalm 127 in verse 3 it says lo children are an heritage of the Lord that means they are from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. I love the word reward there. Now, again, don't go the wrong direction with the word reward and believe that if there's children, then God has rewarded you for righteousness. And if there's no children, that God has cursed you for wickedness. We don't need to go there. But the word reward just points to the fact that this, that children are in God's hands and he's the one that gives them or withholds them according to his will. And that's the way. Uh, so anyway, that verse says, that children are, and for some people this is news, children are a good thing. You know, sometimes you have to really convince parents if they're in the middle of the terrible twos of one of our kids, like, what did I do to deserve this or whatever? But children are a good thing. They're not a bad thing. Children are not a punishment. We live in our right now in our society, one of the things that's really swirling is the fight over abortion, Roe versus Wade again. Because many people look at children as a punishment. They look at it as a downer. They look at it as something that would cripple them in their career or their life path. And, um, you know, I often call the the organization Planned Parenthood, I call them not planned non-parenthood because that's what's happening. You know, they're not, they're not planning parenthood. They're planning to not have it and, and they're going away from God's order here. Um, and so children are a wonderful thing. I remember several, several years ago, back, I think it was 2008, President Barack Obama was giving a speech when he was running for president. And he was talking about this issue about abortion and so forth. And he said in so many words he was, that he was trying to teach his daughters principles of morality regarding sex, but that if they made a mistake, he didn't want them to have to be punished with children. That's a phrase that he used. Uh, and so that's the idea that so many people have toward children. They get in the way of what I want. They get in the way of what I need to do. Uh, the total opposite is true. Children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's not his judgment. It's not his curse. Um, all right, let's go on. Number two. So motherhood in general is a gift from God. Number two, your mother, my mother, was, and if she's still alive, is a gift from God. So many people, they they could look at children the wrong way, and then sometimes people can turn around and they could look at their mother in the wrong way. And my mother was fill in the blank. She I she didn't do things the way that I wanted. She was harsh or angry. And by the way, um, for so many times, if you get picked between fathers and mothers, usually it's the fathers that are the ones that are overbearing and harsh, and the mothers you know, that have a better disposition. But our own mothers are a wonderful gift from God. We didn't choose where we were going to be born, right? We didn't have a, a survey be, when, when it was time to, 
to go into a womb, whose womb would you like to go into? There, there was no poll. There was no survey. You didn't get to choose. It's often said, uh, when God was handing out brains, you thought he said trains and asked for a slow one. You know, uh, and you know that's not true. Uh, it's often said that when God was handing out looks, you thought he said books and asked for a funny one. Uh, but you know, it's it's all in God's. God is. It doesn't. God doesn't do it that way. Like, what would you like for your mother? What would you like for your IQ or for your ethnicity? It's all in God's choosing. And by the way, we part of being content in life is being content with everything that God gave you as you were born into a family. Sometimes people could look at it and say, you know, the grass is green on the other side. I wish I had been born into that family with a loving mother and a loving father that are together, that are married and that raise their children uh, to know God and in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there are some children that are born into families where there is no father. Or maybe they have no mother, or maybe in childbirth the mother died and they were they were orphaned and they were on their own and maybe adopted. And a lot of people want to fault God for things, but God God has never made a mistake. As for God, His way is perfect. We need to know that. And, and so God has decided for each of us what family we were going to be born into, who our mother was going to be, who our father was going to be, and, and all of that is a gift from God. And so I want to transition to number three now, uh, that every mother is due honor no matter what kind of a mother she is. We we all, this is how we naturally go in our society, is that we will gravitate towards those authority figures that we like or that are honorable. We will honor those that are honorable and those that are harsh or cruel, we say, oh, they don't get any honor. They don't deserve it. And the point is not who deserves it. The point is that all mothers, my mother, your mother, maybe she's still alive, maybe she's not, but all mothers are due honor from you whether or not they, quote unquote, deserve it, whether they are good mothers or not. Uh, so I want to look at some verses about this very quickly. Look at Exodus 30 and verse, or I'm sorry, Exodus 20 and verse 12. This is the Ten Commandments. The one, uh, the, the uh, fifth commandment, Exodus 20 and verse 12 says this, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So God's in charge of who our mother is. By the way, God's also in charge of how long we live. And he ties many times the length of our lives to whether or not we honor our parents. But this doesn't, this verse doesn't say, honor thy father and thy mother if they are righteous, if they are loving, if they are very sacrificial and giving. It doesn't say that. It just says, honor thy father and thy mother no matter who they are. Look at Leviticus chapter 9, 19 and verse 3. And for some of these I may read, we're flipping around a little bit today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have everyone uh, flip around. We're going to turn to several scriptures that will help you to stay awake because the, one of the rewards today for those that stay awake is an extra cinnamon roll at the end. So I want you to be able to stay awake. I'm going to help you with being able to turn. All right. Uh, so Leviticus 19 and verse 3 says this. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. 
I am the Lord your God. So not only are we to honor them, but we are to fear them. And, and not fear them because they're going to slap you upside the head silly if you don't. Not, it shouldn't be the wrong kind of fear. But a fear, I'm going to fear, I'm going to respect them. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey them. I'm going to, I'm going to heed what they say because God put them in my life. That's the reason that we fear them is because we recognize God is the giver of them. Uh, Proverbs 23 in verse 22. Let me just read this one. Uh, by the way, turn to Proverbs 30 in verse 17. Uh, we'll get there in just a moment. But Proverbs 23 verse 22 says this, Hearken unto thy father that beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. So it points out here that the command to honor our parents, to honor our father and our mother, is not something that as long as we're in the house. This is where some people, they, they like to think, okay, as long as I'm in the house, they're my authority. But once I'm out, I'm done. I don't have to obey them. I don't have to honor them anymore. It says, don't, don't turn when your mother gets old. Uh, listen to them all the way through their lives. Now, by the way, there there is a transfer of authority in the obeying. Uh, you know, when someone leaves the house, starts a family, they get married, and biblically that seems to be when the, the authority transfers is at marriage. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So marriage in the, in the Bible seems to be when there's that transition of authority, and now a husband and a wife, are they're a new family and now they have authority. The grandparents don't have authority to tell the grandkids. It's those parents to, to, to guide them. But honor is to continue. And by the way, sometimes someone can be a wicked person and command you to do sin and you say, well, I'm not going to obey that, but I'm still going to honor you. We need to have that balance and know how to, to do things in the right way. So look at Proverbs 30, verse 17. This, this verse, I think, helps to explain... And by the way, it's repeated in uh, Ephesians 6, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, live and thy days be long upon the earth. This explains how honoring your parents is tied to the length of your life, in part. Proverbs thirty seventeen: The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. So that's an appetizing verse. Uh, some people, it's, it's appetizing for the birds at least. Why is that? Or how did, how did that verse play out? Wh- whoever despises to obey his mother, the eye that mocks at his father, the birds are going to eat those people's eyes out of their head. How would that ever happen? Well, in the Bible it explains, in, in the book of Leviticus, that if someone is a total horrible person toward his parents, he's disobedient, he's rebellious, it could get to a point where they would take them before the, the city, before the elders, and they'd take them out and stone them. The entire city would stone them. And I think that's when this comes in. They were going to stone them, and they'd leave their bodies out there, and the birds would come and eat them, and pick out their eyes and so forth. So honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. Uh, by the way, we don't, I don't put that verse often to my children, but you, know, you better listen, or we're going to go out to the woodshed, and you know it's going to mean something else anyway. Um, this is Old Testament. I'm not advocating for killing children at all, okay? But God was very concerned with the way that children honored and, and obeyed and respected their parents. And he even put the death penalty on it if children were totally disrespectful and unruly. And it says more things about it. It says he's a drunkard, he's a glutton, he will not listen. Then 
Uh, you know, you take them out, and they could even be stoned to death for that. So, with all those verses, it doesn't say anything about how the mother or father is. It doesn't say whether they are righteous, whether they are honorable. It's just that all children are to obey and honor their parents, and the honor is to be lifelong. We never graduate from the need to honor our parents. So I want to look at look at a couple of verses in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. And this doesn't specifically say parents, but I believe it's a principle that can be extended to all authority, including parents, about how we are to honor even if they are not righteous. So 1 Peter 2 verse 18 says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. So this was, they had a servant-master relationship uh, in a lot of society there. And it says, I want you to submit yourselves and obey your masters, and not just the ones that don't beat you. Not just the ones that are good and gentle, but also to the froward. You may say, well, I don't, I don't like my master. I don't, he's, he's a wicked person, he's cruel, he's unruly, you know, he's over the top, and so, uh, I don't have to obey him. You know, God says, I want you to, to obey all of them, even the wicked, even the forward. And look at uh, similar 1 Peter 3, verse 1. This is a verse about marriage. But I think, we, again, we can apply it to authority and to you know children, to their mothers and fathers. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be one by the conversation of the wives. And today is not uh, a message on marriage, but you know it's showing the, uh, the authority structure in marriage. And it says that, uh, that wives, I want you to submit yourselves to your husbands, even if they are unbelievers. Or they're not, by the way, to, that if any obey not the word, I believe that could be uh, unbelievers or believers that are wayward, that are not obeying the word. And it says, I want you to treat them the same, whether they're good or bad, whether they're righteous or wicked. And the same is to apply to children toward their parents. Honor your mother whether or not she deserves it in your eyes because she is due it. Uh, it's a principle that's often mentioned in the military, that you respect the office. You're not necessarily respecting the man. Your commanding officer might be a deadbeat, but you salute the office. You salute the uh, the institution, what his place is there uh, and not that person necessarily. Now, hopefully, we can honor them because they're honorable as well. But even if they're not honorable, God wants us to to honor all of them. But one more passage about this before we move on. Look at Luke chapter 6. And God says that if we only honor those authorities, and so if it, with our parents, if we only respect and honor our parents, if we like the way they're doing, then we are no better than unbelievers. Because unbelievers can do that. Because they like them. But, but Christianity, God calls us as Christians to a higher standard. So look at Luke 6.31. It says this. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. That's the golden rule. The way that you want to be treated by others is the way you should treat others. By the way, part of that verse is because that's what will happen. In part. Treat people the way you want to be treated because you will be treated the way that you treat other people. That's called, uh, the golden rule is treat people the way you want to be treated. 
But the law of sowing and reaping is you will be treated the way that you treat other people. So knowing that, we should treat people the way we want to be treated. And then it goes on and says this. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies. So I'm not trying to, you know, say that your mother is your enemy. But sometimes, you know, I've talked to people that have long-standing grudges against their mother. Something happened, and it's been years, and she's cut off. And the Bible says we should never be that way. Even if your mother, even if you consider your mother to be your enemy or your father, it says, but love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So if you've ever been deciding, should I honor my mother? Should I get my mother something for Mother's Day this year? She didn't get me anything for my birthday last year. So now I need to think about this. Or... She only got me something that was worth $5, so I'm just going to get her something worth $5, whatever it may be. If you're ever wondering, should I honor my mother because of this and this, throw that all away, and we should always honor them, no matter what they've done, if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be like God, because unbelievers can honor those that honor them. That's easy. But God calls us to a higher standard. Let's go on, number four. So, Every mother is due, doesn't deserve necessarily, but every mother is due honor and respect from her children. Number four is that one of the best ways that we can honor our mothers is simply by being righteous, by being a godly person that walks with God. This seems disconnected in, in some people's minds. That there's the way that I act toward God and then there's the way that I act toward my mother and other people. And never the twain shall meet. You know, there are a lot of people right now, today, in prison that would say today, I love my mother. My mother is my favorite person in the world. She's the one who always believed in me through my seven life sentences or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> But, you know, one of the ways that we can honor our mothers is by, if I can use this phrase, by doing them proud. By living in a way that that says, I want to honor her, and not living however I want, but then on Mother's Day saying, hey mom, I love you, click, anyway, anyway, back to doing whatever I want to do in life. And so let's look at some verses. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 20, and almost everything we'll hear will be in Proverbs, so I encourage you to turn to Proverbs. So Proverbs 15 verse 20. It says this, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. What an interesting phrase. It doesn't have anything yet to do with his mother. It doesn't say that he's doing anything to her. He's not cursing her. He's not hitting her. But he's just a foolish man in his life. By the way, what's, what is the definition of a fool? 
What area of life does it go to? It has everything to do with what you do with God. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, that doesn't mean that every fool says there is no God, but it means the only person who would ever say there is no God is a fool. A, a wise person, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, a wise person would never say there is no God. By the way, that, that verse, to say there is no God, or it could also be, some believe, also translated just to say no God, as if to say no to God. But what you do with God and His Word and Jesus with salvation... That is the starting point in your life for determining whether you're a wise person or a fool. Someone could go to college. They could go uh, and get five degrees at the most prestigious universities. And they could be the most foolish person in the world. They haven't even begun. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. They haven't even begun to learn anything. They have no wisdom if they reject God. And so one of the greatest ways that we can honor our parents is by being wise. Because if I'm a fool, the Bible says, a foolish man despiseth his mother. No. I mean, God may think I'm a fool, but I don't despise my mother. God says, if I'm a fool, I despise her. Why? And here's why. Look at uh, another verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verse 1. And by the way, I do believe this verse can apply more to just spiritual decisions, to, to just uh, what we do with Jesus. Um, for instance, what someone does with the law, as well as other things, can also apply to this. So Proverbs 10.1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. That there is an emotional weight on a mother when someone is a fool. When, when, a, when a mother pours herself into her children growing up, and does this and this and wants them to turn out well, and they go and fall off a cliff in their lives, sometimes literally. But spiritually, they, they don't care. They're running away from the law. They're, their life is in the gutter. It says that's the heaviness of his mother. It weighs on a mother. And so you say, if you want to honor your mother, you want her to be glad, you want her to have happiness and joy in her life, be a wise person so that your mother can receive that into her spirit. Uh, and so there's a lot of verses like this in Proverbs. Let me just read several without a whole lot of commentary. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. It's just bitter in her life. Proverbs 17.21 He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Interesting. That, that's not about mothers as much, but fathers. But if you're a father of a fool, it says you have no joy. Your joy can be tied up in how your children are doing. Look at Proverbs 19.13. A foolish son is the calamity of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. So it's the uh, calamity. So the worst thing he has in his life, the foolish son. Proverbs 23.24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. So again, there's joy or sorrow tied to how the children do. Uh, verse uh, Proverbs 27.11 It says, My son, be wise and make my heart glad. 
that I may answer him that reproacheth me. That's something that both a father or a mother could say. My son, I want you to be a wise person and make my heart glad. Don't be a fool, walk away from God, and now there's bitterness. Proverbs 29, verse 3. says, Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Uh, and so again, a lot of those we can apply both to fathers and mothers. Wherever it says uh, the heaviness of his mother, it's true about fathers. Wherever it says the grief of his father, it applies to mothers as well. One of the greatest ways that you can honor your mother and honor her name, the family name, so to speak, is by living in a way that she could stand up in front of... Notice the way that verse ended. Uh, that, that I may answer him that reproacheth me. That I may say to everyone... You see what my child, see what my son, see what my daughters turned out to be? I'm so proud of them, instead of always having to answer for them. Hey, I heard your son did this. You know, well, yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, it's not all his fault, you know. He had this and this, and, and I remember talking to a, a guy one time that lamented always having to defend his children. His son at this point was uh, about 40 years old, I think, uh, and he was kind of making some bad business decisions. And he kind of lamented, every, I'm always having to stand up for my son and defend him everywhere I go. And that's the name that he's done out there. We don't want our, our mothers to wear that burden uh, because of our foolishness. We won't turn there, but Third John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that ought to be the heart of a godly mother and a godly father. The greatest joy is not you know, for most in society that don't care about God, they would say, my, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children uh, are well-educated or to hear that my children are wealthy. Or at least wealthy enough, they're not going to be calling on the phone saying, Dad, I need more money. You know? uh, but so many people don't focus on that, on that physical side of things. May we, like the Apostle John and like the heart of God, my greatest joy is to hear that my children walk in truth. And knowing that, on the flip side, we should flip around and say, I want to walk in truth so that I can give great joy to my mother. She sacrificed so much. She She's the reason that I'm here. And I want to repay that by righteousness and by wisdom uh, that I can honor her. It says, uh, let's turn to these look at, real quick before we look at our last point. Genesis chapter 26. Here's this playing out in the life of Esau. So Jacob and Esau were ready to fly the coop. By the way, they were, they were older when they finally left the home. It's not like they were about 20 years old. They were probably um, 60 or so. And so Genesis 26, verse 34, Esau is 40 when he first gets married. Isaac is, uh, Jacob's still there. He leaves later. So Genesis 26, 34, it says, And Esau was 40 years old. A lot of people today think, by the time you're 40, you just do whatever you want, it's just on you. That's not on your parents anymore. No, even at 40, even at 50, 60. Uh, so, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. They thought about it often. Probably thought about it every day. My son just went out and married heathen women. He doesn't care about what we want. He doesn't care about what we what we desire, what God wants. It was a grief of mind to them. So much so that look what it says in chapter 27, Genesis 27, verse 46. Notice that Rebekah's 
whole life was tied up in how her children were doing. Genesis 27, 46. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Wow. And Isaac was probably thinking, what about me? You know, you still got me. But he says, but she says, if my sons both go and marry, one of them them's already married heathen women. If Jacob does the same, what good is my life? Wow, what a, what a statement. And so we need to know that all throughout our lives, our decisions bear on those around us, particularly here, our, our mothers, our fathers as well, but I think mothers a little more on the emotional makeup side of things. They bear the weight. Uh, I remember the church that I came from in Virginia before we moved out here. There was a mother in the church. Um, she and her husband were on staff at the church. And she had four children, and three of them were walking with the Lord, serving God, and one of them was wayward at the time. And she made a statement to me. She says, you know, a mother is o- only has as much joy as how her worst child is doing at that moment. I thought it was a really interesting statement. It just shows the... Um, the desire that she had. And, you know, it kind of reminds us of the shepherd that had the hundred sheep. The ninety and nine were were there safe, but one was gone. And the shepherd didn't say, you know, 99 out of a hundred is pretty good. 99% is pretty good. It says there was a burden that he left the 99 and went out after the one. And a, and a godly mother, a good mother, that's her heart. It's not good enough that, that all but one are doing well. She wants, and it's not about getting greedy. It's like, come on, you want all of them? You're greedy? No, but there's a there's a weight that she she feels for that one that's away from God, and the judgment that could come on his life, and in uh, the shame and so forth. And so, one of the greatest ways we can honor our parents, you can call her on Mother's Day and say Happy Mother's Day. You can shower her with gifts. But that doesn't mean anything as much as your whole life being something that you can just lay out and say, look, I love you. I want to honor you by loving God, by walking with God. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to our mothers. And the number five, and this is similar, but I want to finish with this thought. Number five is that how you live not only affects your parents, but it also affects your children. No man is an island unto himself. Our decisions, our wisdom or our foolishness, it spills over and affects other people for better or for worse. So I want to look at a couple of verses that are on a positive side. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse 7. Proverbs 27. So we should think about our our mothers when we go out and live our lives. We should also think about our children, if you have children. Or, and by the way, this extends beyond children. This This is going to be at work. This can be your company. This can be other people. Remember when Achan sinned? His whole family got put to death because of his sin. And so it spills out and affects other people. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse 7. It says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. What an interesting phrase. Now, children, they still need to make wise decisions. You know, my children can't go to heaven because of me. My children can't know God because of me. 
but my children can be blessed after me because of the decisions that I make or vice versa. So you can think about your, your parents and their good name as you live your life. And you should also think about those coming behind you. Look at another verse about this, Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37, verse 25. And by the way, this bears out in the light, and you see in the Bible people like King David, that Solomon, by the way, Solomon had to be judged because of his wickedness. But God said, I'm not going to do it right now because of David. David's David stored up favor that helped Solomon, that got him more years of peace in the nation. He eventually was judged by God, but God said, I'm, I'm not going to do it yet because of David's righteousness. So look at Psalm 37, 25. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. So the seed is talking about the children that come after him. This righteous person, God provides for the righteous person and his children. He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Um, and so he is, he is blessed. And his seed is blessed. And if you want to honor those around you, both in an upward direction and in a downward direction, and I don't mean up and down like worth, but uh, in age and so forth, in generations, we can honor them by walking with God. Last verse, let's finish with, look at Proverbs 14 and verse 34. Proverbs 14, 34. And so take this verse to heart as a member of your family or a member of whatever group that you're attached to. It says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So that word people can be a nation, can be a, a, a group of people in a nation, that can be a family. Sin is a reproach to any family. And all it takes sometimes is one person to bring that into a family. And again, it's not that God is going to ever send anyone to hell because of somebody else. It's not that anyone's going to go to heaven because of somebody else. But I often use this as illustration that I, as the leader of my family, if I were to do something, if I were to go out and do some particular sin and God judges me, that judgment is probably going to spill over to my family. For instance, if I um, were to lose all my job and my income and I go drink up uh, if I were to go and hit the bars and drink away all of my money, my family is going to suffer because I'm not providing for them. So God will bring judgment on me. It will spill over. And we need to know that sin is a reproach to any people. And that word reproach means it's, kind of, it's a stain on your name. It's a stain on your character. And it can spill over. So righteousness is the most important thing that can come out of your life. Sometimes I feel like the greatest thing that we can do on Mother's Day is to call for mothers and say, I'm sorry for the way that I've been living. I want to live righteously. I want to honor you. I want to live my life in a way that can bring you joy, that can bring you happiness and fulfillment in your life. And there is a, a unique, I think beyond all other relationships, there's a unique link between mother and child that all lifelong through... They could be a thousand miles away, but 
there's still an emotional link that's tied to how you and I are doing. And so we ought to honor our mothers uh, in word, in deed, with gifts. They deserve it. I don't think you could ever give too much. Say, oh, that was kind of over the top for your mother. Nothing's over the top for the one who brought you into this world and sacrificed for years. But the greatest thing you could ever do is live godly, to be a wise, righteous person, and have that be able to flow flow on to your mother and flow on to your children as well. Uh, so may we this Mother's Day not be caught up in the commercialization. Sometimes people think that I'm a good son or a good daughter because of the amount of money I spent for mom on Mother's Day. I got her the best flowers. I took her to the best restaurant. You know, I made her really fat or whatever. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's not about the amount of money. I, I heard that the amount of the average amount of money in America that people spend on their mother for Mother's Day is $180. That might sound like a little. That might sound like a lot to you. But it has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with are we wise or are we foolish? A fool, I'm going to finish with that one verse uh, again and then we'll be done. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. And a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. So may we want to honor our mothers in the right way, in the best way, by living a godly life. Let's close together in a word of prayer.